Welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the weekly science and development show from SciDevNet. I'm Halima Athmani. Last week, we found out from research published in International Health Journal, The Lancet, that cancer deaths in sub-Saharan Africa could rise to 1 million annually by 2030. We also heard about how 80% of sub-Saharan Africans engage in traditional or alternative practices that lead to missed diagnosis and late treatment. In this second episode of a three-part series on cancer care in sub-Saharan Africa, we investigate the reasons for the high rate of cancer deaths in the region and look at the barriers that must be broken down to diagnose and treat the disease. We find out what it will take for sub-Saharan Africa to build expertise to tackle the cancer trio of cervical, breast and prostate. Michael Kaloki, our reporter, follows up with breast health specialist and one of researchers of the Lancet report, Dr. Beatrice Weafe Adai, on what the region must do to break down barriers to proper diagnosis and treatment of the disease. Dr. Weafe, why are there so few specialists for these leading cancer killers? Cancer specialists in sub-Saharan Africa are very few. Uh, let's focus on pediatric oncologists. You see a lot of specialists go outside for education, for their schooling. And after schooling, they don't normally come back home. The brain drain is still happening. Some specialists come back after training and they realize that they don't have the equipment to work with. The cancers are unfortunately not a priority in our countries. So if the doctor comes back and does not get the equipment to work with, they get so frustrated and sometimes they go. And so the International Society of Pediatric Oncology did a survey and about nine out of 48 countries who responded to the questionnaire had no pediatric oncologists. So we still have the deficit and we still need to train more nurses and not only to train them, but keep them, find a way to keep them back in Africa. And we can only do that when we provide the other services that are needed. So does it have a lot to do with payment, how much they're paid? It's also part of it. But I would say most of the factors hover around the equipment that they need to work with. And so if you pay the person very high and you cannot do any surgical interventions, if there are no chemotherapeutic drugs if they have to refer patients for hours before they can get radiotherapy. You know, doctors get frustrated. Now, Dr. Weafe, your area of specialty is breast surgery. 
how many breast and cervical cancer oncologists are in the region? Uh, we couldn't boast of any breast surgeons. We have a lot of general surgeons. These general surgeons have been performing surgeries for breast cancer cases. The gynecologists have gone further because we have a number of gynae oncologists. It's very recent that we've been training breast surgeons who are coming home and we have some breast surgeons who are doing great on the continent. We have very few medical oncologists. This is something that needs to change. So what pertains in most African countries is the fact that radiation oncologists and breast surgeons are giving chemotherapy to patients. Might you be able to tell me, you know, in which uh, countries we would be able to find breast and cervical cancer oncologists and prostate oncologists practicing? If I will mention those with good practices already, I will mention South Africa, Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, Senegal, Rwanda. We also have uh, some, for Ghani oncologists, we have quite a number in all, almost all the African countries. But the fact is, uh, the other things that you need for uh, oncology management may be lacking, especially radiotherapy. And so the surgeon can do the surgery but the patient might have to travel hours before they can get to a radiotherapy center. And this uh, stops a lot of women from getting the help they need. And even when they travel far, the cost involved is so high that a lot of them cannot afford. So if we are talking about holistic cancer care. We should talk about affordability and accessibility. Are there preventative methods for these leading cancer killers? So there are two types of cancers. The preventable ones and those that are not preventable. What do I mean when I say that? So, for example, when we talk about cervical cancer, we know that majority of it is caused by the human papilloma virus. And so we have the vaccine, and it means that we can hit the virus, I mean, by using the vaccine, and prevent the woman from developing cervical cancer in future. That is what is being done in most of the advanced countries. In Africa, only a few countries have started vaccinating their girls, like Rwanda, like Zambia. So that is the way to go. Another preventable cancer is liver cancer. 
which we know that majority of the people who develop liver cancers are people with hepatitis B infection. We have the vaccine for Hep B. So if we are able to vaccinate all our people, the Hep B negative, it will mean that we will reduce the incidence of hepatitis infection in our societies and in so doing reduce the liver cancers they could get. But when you talk about some cancers like breast cancer and prostate cancer, we still don't know the exact causes of these cancers. All we know are risk factors. So what we can do in these cancers that we don't know the causes is to do secondary prevention. We know that a woman could die from breast cancer if her cancer is diagnosed late and if treatment is not started early because it can spread to the vital organs for breast is the liver, the lungs, the brain, or the bone. If we want to reduce the mortality from breast cancer, what we need to do to identify uh, lesions early and to treat them, it's not enough to just find a woman with a lump in her breast. Prompt action is what we need. So if we are educating our women, if we are clinically screening them, because so far no African country, sub-Saharan Africa, is doing screening mammography. And so clinical breast screening is what we have and what we can offer. Do these screenings for the women and teach them how to do their own breast self-examination. Then it will help us to identify lesions early and not stop at that point, but rather continue to offer help to these women who have the lesions. Because it's not every lump that is malignant. What could be done to reduce the number of childhood cancers? Creating awareness about childhood cancers is very important. Because, you know, we are in sub-Saharan Africa, there are a lot of diseases that come with uh, fever, a lot of diseases that come with some unwell being of a child. And most often, these children who are in the communities are sent to their local clinics. And so the education that I mentioned, that we should also educate the frontline workers and the healthcare professionals, apart from the community people. It's very important so that if a child is presenting with fever for a long time, the mind will go to the fact that it may not be malaria, it may not be enteric fever, but it could be a cancer, and refer the child to the few oncology, pediatric oncology centers that we have. But you see, until we get enough specialists, we still have to save the lives of our children. And so mothers should be encouraged to go to the big cities to treat their children. 
we should have a system where the nurse in the local community will liaise with the a nurse in the treatment center before the patient even arrives. If we are able to make the referral pathway very simple, I think a lot of parents will send their children for treatment and not wait for too long. As early detection is one way to prevent deaths, what should caregivers look out for as symptoms? Who are caregivers? Normally, they are relatives who tend to be caregivers. So a relative who happens to be available is made the caregiver without any training, without any input. They just become caregivers out of circumstances. And in the area of non-communicable diseases, we must understand that the role of the caregiver is very important. The caregiver should know when to send the patient to the hospital, the signs and symptoms of the particular disease they are taking care of, and know when there's complication and when they should go for further assistance. So I think the caregivers have to be educated also. They also need to even undergo psychological counseling because some of them would rather aggravate the condition. If you want to find out more, head to the SIDEVNET website. That's www.scidev.net. And you can get in touch with the Africa Science Focus team by emailing podcast at sidev.net. Would love to hear from you. Today's show was produced by Harrison Lewis with editing by Ogechi Ekanwanu and reporting by Michael Kaloki. I'm Halima Afmani. Next week, we find why patients are failing to finish their chemotherapy. That will be the final addition to our mini-series on cancer in sub-Saharan Africa. Make sure you catch it. Until then, goodbye. Africa Science Focus is produced by SIDEVNET and distributed in association with your local radio station.